Time to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us now. Dylan, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. So I am curious as you uh, watch college football on a on a week uh, where BYU is off. As you look around the country, do you see uh, do you see teams and think that would be a good matchup for BYU? That would be a really competitive game, and I'd like to see how that plays out. You got any any teams you kind of put in the spotlight on as you watch other games? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, I think first and foremost would have to be Cincinnati, right? I they are probably. Um, in, in terms of matchups, I think they just line up the best, uh, even outside the fact, right, that we're talking about the difference between a group of five and um, power five. Uh, I think that would be a phenomenal game. Um, Northwestern would have been a great game. <laughs> uh, would have been glad to take that. I think in terms of kind of like a stretch game, right, where we're kind of saying, hmm, could they do it? Could they Could they not? Uh, as I look at the top ten, I think, I think Texas A&M, I think Texas A&M would be a very, very, very good test for, for BYU. So what's interesting, this whole concept of trying to get this New Year's Six bowl bid has just taken center stage, and the way to do it is to beef up your schedule. Now, you talk about uh, A&M, and I agree with you. It would be a very good test. From the player perspective, how much of the percentage or emphasis, probably a better word, would be on to get the test to prove to everybody once and for all we're a quality team? So what I'm asking is, is that good enough on its own merit to prove, hey, we're a really good team here. I mean, you you look at our schedule, and we know what they've done. And that UTSA, I think they're five and two. So you know, you didn't cream them, but it turns out they're not a bad football team by themselves too. So you got all these wins. So you've passed a number of tests, but it seems like there's clamoring for a bigger test, as opposed to we want that test to get into this New Year's Day 6. You see what I'm saying? What's the mindset of the player? Does he want to prove we're a quality team, and if it leads to a New Year's Day 6, great, but that's not the be-all, end-all. It's about just proving we're a good team, or is the be-all, end-all getting the New Year's 6? Yeah, I think I think these guys have already proved to themselves, right, and one another, and obviously the outside of the, you know, the few people that matter, um, I guess, in the in the playoff committee, right? And uh, I brought this up the other night um, in terms of right where they stood in the rankings uh, and how it felt a little bit like the BCS, right? Um, yeah. You know, they they've proved to every single person in terms of you know you look at historically the greatest. Uh, influencers in college football, right? And you look at who's on these panels today in the media and things like that. You look at Matt Leiner. You look at Urban Meyer, right? Um, and when all of these people are saying, are you guys, uh, you know, what are you thinking, right? Like BYU is a much better team than this. And uh, I think as a player, when you hear that type of stuff, it just becomes – okay, like, uh, we are legit. We've already proved to ourselves that we're legit, 
we've proved the you know the most notable and um, kind of accomplished names in college football that were legit. And I think this just comes down to more so, right, uh, kind of a BYU problem in terms of I think the committee is just shorting them because they're BYU. <laughs> and, you know, that's unfortunate. And But you can't control that as a player. So you just got to kind of keep going off of the wins and controlling what you can control. So how do you practice early in the week when you don't have a game, but you might have a game? I mean, it kind of feels like a bye week, but in a, a normal bye week, you know you're not going to play, and now yeah. you know you might, but you're not really prepping for a team because you don't know who you're prepping for, if you are indeed going to play. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I'd have no idea. And uh, I think we've had a few of these conversations, right? In terms how how would we deal with these types of things, and what would the mindset be? This would be extremely, extremely difficult to do. I, I don't think a lot of people understand um, truly how hard it would be to go to practice on Monday and Tuesday, and maybe not Monday because Monday you're going to go over what happened last Saturday, and you know if you don't have a game, then who knows what you're going to do, <laughs> right? Uh, the previous week, but you know those Tuesday Wednesday Wednesday practices where you're looking at specific looks that only that team is truly giving, right? You know, uh, for the defensive side of the ball, when you look at the way that an offense sets up as they break the huddle, right, there are specific keys that each team is going to give you that really let you know, okay, what's going to happen here, right? And so if you don't know that and you're just kind of going off of, oh, well, base defense, you know, they might run a 4-3 or they might run a 4-4 or, you know, uh, in terms of base offense, they play a lot of 10 personnel or they play a lot of 12 personnel. Uh, that's very, very hard to do. Um, and so to be able to kind of mentally lock in for that uh, would be would be a bit tough. So you watch that Fox stuff with uh, Urban and Leinert and Reggie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing that I liked about Urban, I've been saying this, is that it's not about the competition. It's about looking at the team. In this case, obviously, it's BYU – how good are their players? And if their players are good, and he's talking about press and play, which I thought was a very powerful statement by mm-hmm. Urban, that it, it's a it's about the quality of the team, not the quality of the opposition. You think people finally can understand? Because that's that's the way I've been thinking. When Zach puts the ball on the line to Gunnar Romney, uh, and the kid, the, the the defender is guarding him. And it it yeah. doesn't matter what uniform the defender is wearing. It matters the throw and the, and the protection yeah. that the line gave him. It's about the play of the team that we're saying is good and the individual players. To me, that was really about as much validation as you could get. Well, uh, one hundred, like one hundred percent, right? Because what people and 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 here's the thing is is we can't keep confused with the fact that. No one is sitting here and saying, and maybe people are, right? But for me and my my own validity here, I'm not saying uh, playoff committee. Why in the world would BYU not number three behind Notre Dame, right? Yeah. That's not that's not right. What we're all saying, and I think that's what people are getting lost at is like, no, I, I I'm personally not asking for a top four ranking right now, but at least like a top ten, right? And it's because of those types of things. 
where you're looking at throws that Zach Wilson's making. You're looking at the plays that Dax Mills making. You're looking at the, you know, the way that the defense is is playing and really just manhandling, right? And we're not talking about you know, everybody wants to talk about the 27 year old, you know, 35 year old BYU football player, and, and we're not talking about the, that group, right? We're talking about you know these younger guys across the board who uh, are are truly manhandling their schedule. They're showing up every single week. They're playing consistently. Uh, and, you know, if we feel crazy about feeling that way, then uh, I think we get validation every time we get on Twitter. And the people with the blue check marks, right, who are considered some of the greatest in college football history are thinking the same thing that we are. So uh, whatever people want to say in terms of a negative reaction towards our thought process of, hey, we believe that BYU should be in the New Year's Six Bowl, Right. Uh, anyone who disagrees with that, in all honesty, it's, it really is just uh, petty jealousy. And I think we need to kind of move away from that. So every Tuesday night, you can gather around the TV and see the latest thoughts of the committee. But we've seen the committee change its mind in the final rankings. So do you care about any of the rankings along the way that much? I mean, you can't completely ignore them, but isn't there a party that knows better than to get sucked into the vortex and obsess about them? Well, and I think last, last week was a perfect, uh, perfect example of that. <laughs> like we're talking about a, a, what, uh, a six, a six spot difference between the AP, the coaches and this committee, right? That's the first time I believe and I think I, I did double, I checked this as much as I could, right? But that is the largest differential between an AP and a, a coach's top 25 in a committee vote, right, since this thing started. Um, and it's the same reason that, you know, BYU probably won't play in the Big 12. Um, it's the same reason that, you know, <laughs> BYU will struggle to always provide in this way for people the satisfaction that, okay, they're a good football team. And it's, it'll always go back to the fact that, you know, because BYU plays for something a little bit more and there is the church's name, right? I don't think that it's very hard to get the respect you deserve when people aren't just looking at how are you playing football, but they're looking at everything else that is out of your control. Hey, can I argue that, in a sense, BYU made its own bed on this New Year's Day 6 thing because it gave up greater access to better bowls when it decided to go independent. But if you agree with that premise, I've got a second premise, and if you don't agree with it, just let me know. <laughs> the second premise is that they wanted exposure, right? At the time they made that decision – they're playing on the mountain, and nobody had it. It was awful. They, half the time, they couldn't even follow the football when you watch the <laughs> game. So they weren't getting any exposure. And now they're getting all sorts of exposure because last week they're, they're, they didn't interview a whole bunch of coaches on that coaches uh, on that committee show. I don't even remember who they did, but I do remember that Kalani got interviewed, and people are talking about Urban Meyer the following Saturday morning is talking about BYU. So yeah. – the mission of trying to get exposure, uh, it's going a long way towards accomplishing it, but it 
probably and has come at the expense of a potential New Year's Six bid. And if that was everything to you, then just go join the AAC and win that, and then you're in. Yeah, and there's there are it is tough to sit here and argue right against hey if you were in an AAC if you were in a Big 12 if you were in these situations but you look deeper into that and you look into those committees and you look into who is going to uh, add BYU to that right if the American Conference said BYU you're more than welcome to join I think that would be very difficult for Tom not to do right but what we're seeing is that if BYU played in the Mountain West again, it wouldn't be worth it. Like, that is where it wouldn't be worth it. And I think that there's just so much more to getting into these conferences and what that means for money and everything like that, and even what it means for other sports. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if they were in a conference and you look at what Notre Dame's done this year and being a part of the ACC, I was just talking to uh, Ian Book this last week, uh, yesterday, actually, and kind of hearing, you know, talking to him about his thoughts about really just going into the ACC and proving, you know, uh, being independent isn't <laughs> isn't as as sorry as you think it is, right? We control our own destiny, and yeah, we will come into your house and we'll kind of rain on your parade. Uh, so, I think BYU could very well do that and be successful in that. I don't think it would be a successful move if they joined a group of five. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us. So if you go back through BYU history, a game like this comes, uh, a season like this comes along about once a decade. The 1979 team was undefeated and lost its bowl game. The 84 team was undefeated and won its bowl game. You had the Cotton Bowl team in 96. Uh, You had the... uh, First team under Gary Croton, they won 12 straight games before they lost in Hawaii and lost their bowl game, both those without Luke Staley. You've got this season. There are other good teams along the way, but this seems to happen about once a decade. Do you think that in the independent era that can be sped up and this can happen once every five or six years instead of once every 10 or 12? Or should people just enjoy this because the stars with an NFL quarterback and a complete team around him only align yeah. so often. Um, I think uh, one. I think that this is why a New Year's Six would be critical for BYU to get into this year because I think that solely speeds up that process. Um, because we're looking at what is the kind of opportunity to take in. You know, if you're playing the Fiesta Bowl, you're taking home $4 million, and that $4 million is going just to BYU, right? Um, and I think that, you know, instead of maybe every 10 years, that can happen every six years. Uh, and then you look at the bodies who are the ones that are performing here, and it's, you know, um, just being flat out, right? Uh, Zach Wilson didn't serve a mission. Gunnar Romney didn't serve a mission. Dax Milne didn't serve a mission. Troy Warner didn't serve a mission. Right? You look at the key players uh, on this team, and it's not just, you know, the 27-year-old John Beck. It's not the 26-year-old Dennis Pitta. Um, and so the ability for 
uh, Kalani and the guys to go out and say, guys, you don't. I mean, if you're not going to serve a mission, that's fine. Like, we still want you here at BYU. You can still be successful. Um, and if you're not LDS, hey, that's great. That's fine, too, because we have those guys, and they're just as successful. And so I think what they're doing this year is really solidifying the fact that you don't need to just be this prototype BYU guy to be successful at BYU. And so I think if that continues, we're going to see, you know, maybe not every every other year or every third year, but I think what we are going to see is this kind of sped up to an every five-year thing and then hopefully build from that. Okay, the thing that I take from this, Dylan, is that was one impressive name drop. I was talking to Ian Book the other day, the Notre Dame quarterback. <laughs> you just slid that in there. That was big-time impressive. You didn't even make a big deal about it. Yeah, me and Ian, we were on the phone, and we were just talking, blah, 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 blah. Now, people may not know, I don't think you guys overlapped. I think there's too big of an age gap there. Uh-huh. But he, he went to your high school. Yeah, yeah. And so Ian is someone that I've been around since he was probably uh, nine years old. Um, and I actually was, you know, uh, me and I, I started, I was first around Ian as like a high school, like an our high school team. Um, so in, in, in California and especially Northern California, if the junior program or the Pop Warner team is within the high school system. And so when you are in high school, right, you've learned the offense since you were about nine years old when you first start playing football. So that when you get into the high school, right, you're prepared in that way. And so they have high school players that go and coach the Pop Warner teams. And so I was, uh, I've coached, I coached Ian when he was uh, nine or 10 years old when I was in high school. And then uh, we threw together and worked out together, you know, Every summer, every spring, there. When he was 12 years old, he was out with the juniors and seniors throwing the ball around, and so uh, he's someone I've been close with for some time. And obviously, when you grow up in a community of 30,000 people, and football kind of surrounds that community, you get to know people really well. Classic name drop. We will leave it right there, Dylan. Thanks a lot. Yep, we'll see y'all later.